1: You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson. Uh, You may know me from such sites as... Well, I tried to do a Troy McClure thing there, and it really wasn't working. Um uh, already one lame Simpsons reference, so we're not even a minute in. Um, from redlegnation.com, joining me today, and I'm not sure why he's joining me because we really don't have anything at all to talk about, uh, is another guy that likes to write a little bit about baseball and the Reds, our friend Joel Luckup. Joel, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's been a fun you know, day to read about all this stuff about Brian Price. So Who? He sounds like a super cool, fun guy. Sorry, did I did I jump on your lead? Did I <laughs> did I already go ahead and give away the the big news that probably nobody's heard yet?
1: I'm sure no one has heard. Uh, it, really, that's the only thing anyone's talking about in the uh, Reds fan universe. Uh, Brian Price, manager, do you have a sort of a quick reaction? Is is it the same as mine? Which is, I'm very pleased with this hire, and that's the first time I've been able to say that in a while.
0: Yeah, um, you know, it, it's funny because when Dusty Baker was hired. I spent a lot of time uh, kind of trying to make myself feel better about the the deal, um, and when with Brian Price, um, I've actually been trying to find reasons why I don't like it, and I haven't been very successful. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, very much so.
1: I'm the same way, you know. Uh, I, I've very famously uh, between some of the editors at Relic Nation, uh, they give me a hard time about it sometimes, but. Um, Wrote a piece defending Dusty Baker, basically, at the height of when the the pitchforks were out. And uh, and a lot of that was trying to convince myself with Dusty. With with Brian Price, I, a lot of lot of reasons for optimism, I guess, as I wrote earlier today. Um, and we can get into some of those. We already discussed, uh, the last time we were together, we discussed a lot of those, too, so we won't touch on them too much. But let me just uh, quickly, for those of you who don't know a whole lot about Brian Price, and, you know, you've heard his name a lot, and you've learned a lot more about him today, um, or you've had the opportunity to, if you've been paying attention, uh, probably the the thing that I'm most impressed about with Brian Price, I mean, you know, he he, he pitched it at Berkeley, uh, Cal Berkeley. He's a smart guy. But really the thing that really impressed me more than anything else, he went to the same high school as Tupac Shakur.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you know that? I did. I uh, did. In, in fact, somebody on Twitter today suggested that maybe Tupac's hologram is going to be the Reds' new hitting coach.
1: Oh, excellent. At the very least can throw out the first pitch or uh, or rap the <laughs> national anthem or something. Um. Yeah. So that's much more impressive than anything. Uh, any of the other things that we
0: need to uh, be concerned about. Um. <laughs> and also, Courtney was it Courtney thorne Smith? Is that who it was? Was one of those?
1: Yes, one of these nineteen uh, nineties. Uh, I don't know. One of those nine hundred two one zero shows. I think she was on. And uh, yeah, yeah. So of- I probably had a
0: crush on her at <laughs> one time or
1: another. <laughs> oh, there. I, I remember there was some lame uh, sitcom she was on that I uh, embarrassingly teenage me watched because. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. We don't don't need to talk about my teenage years very much, if you don't mind. uh, I know you keep trying to get into that, but we're not going to do that. Um, Brian Price, why are you uh, optimistic about him?
0: Um, What I like about him is, uh, and we talked about this in the last time, uh, the quote from uh, Bronson Arroyo where he talked about how um, – Brian does not want to just uh, go by his gut. He wants to have um, evidence backing up whatever decisions he's making. Uh, that that kind of... Th- that. I mean, just that line there. Like, I, I, I don't need somebody who is sabermetrically inclined. I don't need somebody who's going to um, have a win expectancy chart sitting in front of him when he's managing a game. Um, but I do want somebody who is is not going to just kind of um stick to the way things have always been and, and I felt like that was the thing that frustrated me most about Bus- about Dusty is that he lacked that creativity and that ability to do things differently and try to see things differently and try to learn from the way things had been. I felt like he made a lot of the same mistakes over and over because he just wasn't able, you know, willing to learn because you know he kind of was in, stuck in this mindset of this is how things always have been. And I get the impression that that's not how Brian Price works. So that's what makes me optimistic uh, about him.
1: Well, you're absolutely right, and I, I would agree 100%. That's the single biggest reason why I'm optimistic. Um, you know, and that quote from Arroyo just about knocked me uh, for a loop. And, and the things Price said in his uh, press conference today as well, in some of the interviews, I heard what his interview with Mo Egger um, as well this evening, and really give you an idea that, you know, like you said, I, I don't need a guy that's going to be, uh, you know, uh, I don't need Joe Sheehan or, uh, who, you know, uh, some hardcore sabermetric guy in the dugout necessarily, but the the fact that Brian Price, by all accounts, is at least going to have an open mind that just that's almost more than I, I could imagine. Uh, and right. you know, he, he touched on statistical analysis being part of the um, you know part of the part of the package that he's got to consider. But just the fact that he'll have an open mind to things gives me reason to hope that uh, on the whole he's got a chance to be a very good manager. He's going to do dumb things. He's going to do things that we're going to get mad about and argue about, and, um, you know, that's that's what's part of what's fun about baseball, frankly. But uh, it'll, it'll be a real uh, a real change, a sea change, to have a manager in Cincinnati willing to look outside the box a little bit. And, and, and really that was one of the biggest criticisms of Dusty. He managed by the book and only by the book. And uh, for all his uh, good qualities as a manager, a lot of times that put some limitations on what I felt like he was able to accomplish in-game. I guess we don't know what we're going to get, but the early returns seem to be very encouraging. I guess is the way I'd put it.
0: Yeah, the thing that I like about him is that he is, um, you know, you get a lot of quotes from players who who seem, that, I mean, they seem to at least view him um, to where he does things differently to what, like the perspective. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. The the things that they thought were wrong with Dusty, they seem to feel like Brian Price does those things right. right. without
1: mentioning Dusty's know? name, that's what they're saying. That's what it sounds like, right?
0: Right, and 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 and, you, and they're not talking about like the things that irritate us, the things like bunting and that kind of stuff. They're talking about the kind of stuff that matters within the clubhouse. You know, the, the accountability. You hear the, I mean, the word accountability has probably been used more today than any time since Benghazi. You know, right. So you know, it's things that matter in the clubhouse is what really strikes um, with me is that you know they they want uh, somebody who was there kind of leading them. And I felt, I kind of feel like just based on the things that they're saying that they, you know, you hear a lot of um, like Mike Leake talked on Lance McAllister's show about, uh, you know, guys kind of did their own thing. You know, there wasn't any cohesive message going on out there and they feel like at least they're going to get that from Brian Price. Now, you know, obviously, like you said, it'll, it'll uh, be interesting to find out whether or not that actually happens. Um, but, you know, it, it makes me feel good that the players are at least see him as somebody that's uh, different from Dusty in the ways that they they feel like they need uh, things to be different.
1: Yeah, you know, the quotes from the players have been really an eye-opener for me, and they're not the normal canned quotes you see, uh, you know, we love, we got a lot of respect for the guy, whatever. The quotes have been fascinating, specifically uh, Homer Bailey, for example. And, and not just uh, recent quotes, but going, going back to, you know, Mark Sheldon uh, a month or two ago had a, pretty good article about accountability and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Homer's quotes and, and several other quotes I've seen are basically, you know, Homer said one time I was slow getting over to first, uh, cover, cover first. And I came back in the dugout and, you know, price came up to me basically and said, that's unacceptable, period. And Homer said, B- basically, yes, sir. It'll never happen again. And it didn't happen again. Now, you know, there's a lot of criticism of that sort of old school type of approach, maybe, uh, I hate to use old school because what we're hoping with Price is that he's going to be what we always term as a new school manager. But, um, but despite that sort of leadership really is what it is, um, Homer had nothing but praise for Brian Price I mean, He, he uh, and, and all the pitchers, really. I was really impressed with what they had to say about his ability to communicate and his ability to really lead. It, really interesting quotes, I thought. Did you get the same feeling as some of these quotes? They, they weren't just the canned quotes you usually see?
0: Right. And and what's interesting to me about it is the the way the pitchers talk, you almost kinda get this feeling like they felt like um they were the only ones being led, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it's this weird sense, like, um, you know, they talk about how oh, he held us accountable. I mean, he, like, I've seen three or four different pitchers say th- that exact phrase: "He held us accountable for everything," and and the emphasis, and it's and maybe this is just the quotes that are being picked out by the writers because that's the you know the angle that they've hung on to or, or whatever. But uh, it, it's interesting to me that um, the the pitchers are so like focused on this accountability as if to say, you know, that wasn't there on the other side. Um, you know, it was only us pitchers being held accountable. We didn't feel like the rest of the team was being held accountable.
1: That, that's absolute, absolute, Excuse me. Easy for me to say the way that those quotes come across, you know, and and the quotes per, specifically from Sam LaCure, some of the quotes he had after Dusty was fired made me think, you know, uh, some of these pitchers may not even want to share him with the hitters. They, they feel like they've got something special. that's really helped them to, uh, To achieve more, maybe collectively and individually, than they would have without Brian Price, Uh, I, yeah, maybe maybe there are some quotes out there where somebody doesn't like him. Uh, Someone, some of the pitchers don't like him. I haven't heard them, and I've heard nothing but encouraging things.
0: Yeah. Uh, Now, I will say the the one thing that I've heard that concerns me, and this is more just because it's and it's more of an attitude thing than anything. Um, When he was on with Mo Egger, and he talked about how. He wanted to emphasize how important that one run is. And, um, you know, I don't want to blow this out of proportion, except that, you know, the more I look at things, the more, you know, it's not about bunting and all that. That's not the big concern. Um, I I feel like it's uh, that drawback is that if you overemphasize that one run, uh, you kind of lose focus of the fact that you're trying to score more than one run and so you know I don't again I don't want to blow it out of proportion but it was the language that he was using where he was really kind of emphasizing that he you know we're going to focus on you know making sure that that you know how important that one run is and getting that run and you know all that um, and and I hope that that doesn't start to lead towards strategies that are only leading your team to get in one run
1: right you play, for, play for one run you're just going to get one run um, yeah if you're, if you're one Wanting to nitpick, that's absolutely the area where my red flag went up and said, whoa, wait a minute, what did you mean by that? I'd like to have had a follow-up question. Uh, right. there. Right. Uh, but there were other areas where I thought, wow, you know, and, and again, maybe I'm trying to read too much into it uh, on the other side rather than uh, hoping <laughs> for the best uh, on the one-run quote. What about the, the, the quote where he said, uh, I think the quote goes like this, I've never enjoyed the matchup game if you have the type of pitchers that can get left-handed and right-handed hitters out. I took that to mean, Maybe Sean Marshall's not going to be a uh, lefty one-out guy uh, that, that maybe he'll pitch to because he he gets he gets right-handed hitters out as well as
0: left-handed. Um, I took it that way. Did you take it that way? Yeah, and I, and I think even more than that, um, I think you might find that um, he won't be so quick to. Uh, bounce around his bullpen guys as much. You know, he may he may let guys come in and say, look, you've got this whole inning, rather than, okay, I just need you to get this guy out. The opposite I mean, of the
1: Tony LaRusso approach, basically. Right,
0: right. And, you know, I mean, it's... Um, uh, as a fan, I think that... I like that strategy better. You know, the pitchers may vary on what they feel about that, but I imagine that he's probably had, he probably has had conversations with guys before where they've told him, you know, it's kind of a, a a lot more, it feels like more of a drain or more wear and tear, or, you know, I just don't like that having to, um, you know, just get ready to pitch to only one guy kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. And so,
0: I mean, it should be interesting. I think that the, the thing that, um, you know, uh, Will feel most different is the the fact that he will likely use the bullpen and the starting pitching in quite a different fashion than what we were used to seeing because he's more familiar with those guys and it's you know if he's making the call he's probably going to be a little more sensitive to what their their wants and needs are I think
1: and their strengths and weaknesses he'll have better uh, command of that Um, before we leave Brian Price I don't know you may not want to make a prediction on it. And really, Price was noncommittal today at his press conference and the interviews that I heard. But obviously, he was a fairly big proponent of Aroldis Chapman in the rotation last year. Uh, frankly, I'm afraid that ship's probably sailed. I don't know that we'll ever see that happen. But uh, do you – you willing to make a prediction or do you get any sense where uh, – obviously, he, he was a fan of it at one point. Are we going to see um, that again in the spring?
0: Well, you, you know, he told uh, Lance McAllister – That uh, or or he reiterates way for Chapman to develop as a pitcher is to get more innings. Um, You know that's as close as I've heard him to hint that they may be pushing him back into the rotation. But you know the hard part is uh, convincing him, convincing Chapman that that's the best role for him. You know I think it's you know Dusty got a lot of grief, but and maybe Dusty was um, you know a little birdie on uh, Chapman's shoulder. You know, kind of pushing him in this direction, but I—I I mean, I think ultimately the reason they decided not to—to uh, to keep pursuing the starting rotation was not Dusty, but be, but it was Chapman. I yeah, think, that, that uh, tipped
1: it in, in the favor of closing, no doubt.
0: Right. So, um, you know, if if Brian Price can can talk to Chapman and say, you know, look, this this is where you want to be because this is where you're going to best utilize your skills, or this is where you're—I g- mean, hell. This is where you're going to make the most money. Get that big contract, this, exactly. You yes. know, um, you know. So it's something worth considering.
1: Well, if Chapman uh, has a relationship with Price like some of these other pitchers have, and we don't know, there's the language issue, and I don't know what. Who knows? Um, I, I get the sense that if he has as good a relationship, that you know, Price being the manager can maybe be that birdie on his ear this year and explain to him what the situation is. Whereas last year, although Price appeared to be in favor of putting him in the rotation, Price still was. Uh, you know, not uh, number one on the totem pole there. It was Dusty's ultimate right. decision, really, in a lot of ways. And and Price, you know, Dusty was the boss, had to sort of be a team player. So, who knows? We, we don't know. This is all speculation. But um, if nothing else, even if he's still in the uh, bullpen, Price's quotes today about, uh, you know, more innings makes you think maybe there'll be more, that he will be more creative in terms of using Aroldis more, even if he's in the bullpen, two innings occasionally, things like that. So that could... Uh, and again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and this is a day where I think a lot of Reds fans are wanting to be hopeful uh, of what we're going to get. I'm I'm very hopeful at this point, and I'm actually I wouldn't have said this two weeks ago, but at this point, I'm really excited for 2014 <laughs> to begin. Can you believe that?
0: Well, and and you know something that's interesting that, that kind of goes along with um, you know what we saw today was. Uh, while is saying, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's this big elephant in the room that's kind of going to barrel through the off season if something doesn't get done with it, and that's Brandon Phillips. And so, um, whether or not Brian Price's manager is going to have any effect on on if Brandon Phillips stays around is hard to say. Um, but it's clear that there's there's someone within the Reds organization that is telling people that um Brandon Phillips is going to be uh you know shopped around um it's you know John Faye's written about it, Bob Nightingale has written about it um uh, other guys i mean i it, you know it's kind of spread from there, but I mean this wasn't just you know an unsourced thing i mean i heard it from multiple people at the park uh before the season ended that um that phillips was likely to get shopped around so this isn't like a um you know one of those things that uh you know um it's come from multiple places now i have not heard it directly from anybody in the front office but i you know the the people that i've heard it from are unrelated so you know i think it's it's realistic that it's you know A conversation that has happened, Um, and so the question is: uh, Do you think that that trading Brandon Phillips one is is possible to help the Reds by doing that, and two is something that um, they probably have to do at this point?
1: Uh, I think yes on both counts for uh, various reasons. I think number one, whether it's going to help the Reds in two thousand fourteen, there's so many variables there uh, in terms of. What they get back, whether they can use money that's freed up, if they're able to free up any money, um, to address some of the weaknesses of the team, and of course, who's gonna who's gonna fill in at second base? So there's really too many variables at this time, but I I think there's absolutely a chance that it could help the team. Number two, with uh with Phillips, I guess really I, I used to be a big fan of Brandon Phillips. <laughs> let me just let me just say that. Uh, I wasn't at first, and he absolutely won me over, and, um, and uh, you know, the ever-present smile. And probably, gosh, five years ago, I had someone in the Reds' front office. I've mentioned this several times on the, I beat it to death, but it really illuminated to me what the front office at that time, this was early in Castellini's tenure, John Allen was still around. Um, but the feeling was that they were in love with Brandon Phillips in the Reds' front office at that time. Uh they were very happy with him being the face of the franchise he has he got his contract he called Bob Castellini a liar, which seems like a horrendous idea to call the guy signing your checks a liar after he pays you out uh seventy two and a half million dollars um and then of course we had the other stuff with uh you know the c Trent rosecrans uh just that that profane episode we had uh you know, some other things, but including a, a somewhat profane direct message he sent to uh, Red Leg Nation's Twitter account. Um, I feel like his time has come to move on. I feel like at this point that's what he wants. And there's somebody, I don't know who it is. Uh, I, if I had to guess, and this is pure speculation, I'd say it comes from the highest levels Bob Castellini. Uh, I can't imagine that the Castellinis uh, were happy with the, uh, after signing him to that big contract. They are really happy with being called a liar, basically, uh, that Bob was called a liar. And so I think there's going to be a market for him, too. I think everyone's underestimating the market for him. Brandon Phillips is not a bad player. Uh, he's got this contract that really is not even a terrible contract for what I think he can provide. He was down this year, but I don't think he was. As, he's as – I think the next couple of years he'll be better than he was this year. He should be. I, I, I think this is sort of a, a little bit of an anomaly. He won't be as good as he was, but – I think there's going to be a, a market for him. It's just a question of what they can get in return.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he's a, you know, a two and a half win player or something yeah. like that, which is, you know, it's above average. Um, he, one thing, you know, he's one of those players that you might want to segment out what he does well and, and kind of focus on that. So if you're a team that really could use some help defensively, um, you know, he may be the guy you want, even though maybe his bat isn't exactly, uh, despite the 100 RBIs, his bat isn't really ideal. What's interesting to me is that, you know, say he ends up, and, and and I don't have any reason to believe that he actually will, but say he ends up in New York. I wonder if Reds fans are going to be surprised when he's batting sixth or seventh or eighth in New York. Um, you know, instead of batting fourth or, you know, third or or second, you know, with the Reds, um, because I've had a lot of people, I mean, it's fallen off a little bit lately, but uh, a lot of people say to me that you can't trade him because he's so versatile in the batting order, which, you know, you know my response to that, (laughs) that it really doesn't matter that much. Um, But, uh, you know, it's, he... I think he's always, I've always felt like he's been miscast, um, offensively The that the, you know, and maybe I underestimate that, but, um, he, he, I've always felt like he's been, be- he'd be better as a fifth or a sixth hole hitter because he's the, you know, you want a high contact guy in that position, um, because he's going to be, you know, your fifth or your sixth hole hitter, for me, is really what your cleanup is. He's the guy that's going to to make sure the bases get cleared as much as they can before, you know, you get to your really lousy hitters at the end of your lineup. If, you, you know, in, in my mind. So I've always felt like that Brandon Phillips is... That is his ideal role. Now, there's a lot of ego, more ego tied up in into batting order than there is into actual, like, you know, sensical things that matter. Um, so I can understand why, you know, he, he was never going to bat fifth or sixth, but I always felt like he would have been better off on that role. So anyway, my point my point of all of this, so, you know, say you have a team like, and I'm only using Atlanta because really they're the only team that's um, that's been rumored to even be interested. But say you have a team like Atlanta that's got Dan Ugla who's, you know, lousy defensively. Well, they might be particularly interested in, in uh brandon phillips simply because um they may feel like well we really need to fill that hole up the middle and if you had brandon phillips next to andrelton simmons i mean you're hardly oh, wow. ever going to have balls getting through the middle i mean it's ridiculous yeah. to think about so um you know they may be more, a little more motivated to get somebody like phillips than say a, a team that you know maybe already has a, a, a Decent defensive second baseman, but uh, who doesn't have much of a bat? I, I don't have anybody off the top of my head right now. But uh, you know, if you got somebody who's def- decent defensively, not much of a bat, well, Phillips isn't going to be much of an upgrade for those guys. But Phillips may be a, uh, they may, may be a different kind of a, of an upgrade for somebody like Atlanta or somebody along those lines.
1: Sure, especially given the fact that he's probably going to be an average hitter. I, what one thing I fault myself personally with respect to BT, BP is to try not to um, do sort of the same thing a lot of people did with Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn, uh, certain different players, and Adam Dunn's my favorite red of recent vintage, um, and so I'm a little bit uh, biased, but one of the things that always irritated me about Dunn was that everyone wanted to really hammer him for his flaws, the things he couldn't do, while ignoring the things he did do well. And I've tried to fight myself on Brandon Phillips. There are things that he still can provide to a team. He's not a bad player. And a lot of times, everyone, especially on the internet, wants to, uh, it's all one way or all the other. Um, And so there are things, that's why I think there's going to be a market for him. You know, if he's a two and a half win player, first of all, and he, you know, defensively is still above average, and he's not going to kill you at the bat, he's just been miscast.
0: Uh, Well, and I I think some of it with Phillips, too, is that um, his. Uh, Perceived value has always been a little higher than what I think his actual value is.
1: Well, a lot higher in in some circles, I would say. Right, right. And that's a function of the RBIs, largely. 100 RBI, that's the thing I've heard more than anything when BP gets suggested. There's a suggestion for a trade. Um, How are the Reds going to replace all those RBIs? You know, and uh, obviously that's. well, we can talk about RBI some other time, but that, that's not Brandon Phillips. That's not the value you can provide. Now, he can, I guess, as you said. If you hit him a little lower in the lineup, BP's a pretty valuable player. I always wish the Reds would have hit him sixth. I thought if you hit him sixth with the defense he provides and what he can do as a six-hole hitter, this is a guy that I want on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, as a leadoff hitter, no. As a cleanup hitter, no. Uh, he just it, That's not his skill set. Um but you're right. I think in, in Atlanta makes a lot of sense for a number of reasons, not only that uh, Phillips is from that area. But the idea of Dan Ugly in the Reds lineup next year scares the bejesus <laughs> out of me. Uh that's the one rumor we've heard so far. Does that scare you as much as it scares me?
0: It it, it doesn't it doesn't scare me um terribly uh i i don't know where he fits in in the order i'm afraid that he'll you know he'll bat fourth he might be better off batting seventh i don't know the, um he he walks a lot uh not that you know that makes up for some of his other shortcomings but he does walk a lot he's always walked a lot um a couple of years ago he tied vado uh, for the league lead in walks um he, he I don't know enough about, like, I haven't watched him play enough to to know if this is uh, an issue or not, but, like, his BABIP this year was only 225. Um, that, you know, is he somebody that's going to rebound from something like that? He doesn't, you know, to be valuable, he doesn't need to hit 270. He, you know, he's got some power. He doesn't have as much, you know, his pop has kind of dropped off. Not, he's still got more power than Brandon Phillips has, Um but you know his his pop has dropped off considerably if he bats, but if he can bat two thirty he's gonna he's gonna get on base in like a three sixty clip then and you know if that's the case i don't I don't know where you put him in and he's so bad defensively yeah. <laughs> it's just you know it's could brutal, he yeah. could he take over? could he play some in left field? I don't know. Um could he play some at third base? I I'm guessing not. I'm guessing he doesn't have much of an arm if he's been a if he's a second baseman. Um so I I, I don't want Dan Uggla. I can understand <laughs> <laughs> I can understand um you know what value he may have in a trade because basically you're making the deal a little more Interesting to the Braves because you're going to take some money off their hands, um, you know. But then it frees up long-term money for signing somebody like Chu uh, that that they wouldn't be able to do if they had Phillips still on the roster. So, you know, I I, I guess I'll say that um, I reserve judgment on trading for Ugla because I'm assuming that the Reds will probably also get a prospect that goes along with that, right. and and you know, if that's the Then it then it depends on who the prospect is.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm looking at his stats now and I I might be able to talk myself into it now that I'm (laughs) I'm gonna look at it. Everyone knows the one hundred seventy nine batting average and that's the reason why everyone's so scared of him. But let me uh let me just say this. Brandon Phillips' on base percentage this year was three ten. Dan Ugla's on base percentage this year, the lowest he's had in years, was three oh nine. Um you know, and and but the year before that it was three forty eight. He had a rough one two thousand eleven, but before that three sixty nine, three fifty four, three sixty. Um, I, I don't want Dan Ugly either. I, I'm with you, but I could probably, depending on what else comes back in that trade, and if obviously uh, Ugly is making I think thirteen million this coming year, but if it frees up more long term money, they can get creative in other areas. Chew or or uh you know, I could probably talk myself into that, <laughs> uh, which surprises me, actually, now that I look at it. Um, that's, uh, yeah, 225 uh, BABIP, um, which is by far the lowest he's had in uh, his whole career, I guess. Um, wow. I'm going to start trying to get myself accustomed to that thought because I c- Brandon Phillips makes all kinds of sense f- uh, for Atlanta. Um why don't they just trade Brandon Phillips for Anderton Simmons? That's that seems like a <laughs> well, that guy can pick it, can he?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, but, so but Chad, we don't okay. need a shortstop. Oh well, that's true. That's true.
1: Uh, actually, <laughs> I I could if, if Zach Cozart's not batting second, I, I I'm not going to complain much about Zach Cozart. Frankly, um, right. he's not he's not Andrelton Simmons uh, defensively, but uh, oh, but him. he's solid. Yeah, yeah, he's solid. I don't I don't have issues with Cozart if he's batting seventh or eighth. Um so I guess really what we're talking about here is is something you had mentioned. Trading Brandon Phillips doesn't necessarily mean that the Reds are uh, not taking 2014 seriously, I guess. And that's something that a lot of people have complained about. Well, if we don't have Brandon Phillips, you know, who is going to replace him? And I thought we are going to go all in again in 2014. And that's not necessarily the case, but it depends who they get back. But there really aren't very many internal options, I don't guess, for second base. Are there? Unless I'm missing somebody.
0: No. No, I mean it's, you know, your best option right now is Henry Rodriguez, and you know, I'm I'm not completely convinced that Henry Rodriguez is more than, um, you know, a utility bench player. Uh, but there, you know, and really the scary thing is, is that there's not a whole lot in the pipeline. Um, I asked Doug, our friend Doug Dirt today, uh, Doug Dirt, Doug Gray today. <laughs> we can call him Doug Dirt. That's fine. He doesn't. Matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I asked our friend Doug Gray today about. Uh, what bats you know were the the bats that were in the system and and really it's just Yorman um, and uh jesse winker and uh philip irvin and that's really kind of it for now and they're all outfielders so you know the infield prospects are not um all that appetizing i don't think so
1: well, which is why I was kind of hoping the Reds would make a splash with this uh, Cuban defector, Alex Guerrero, who the Dodgers ended up signing for four years and $28 million. I, I thought if they could do that, I, you know, I don't know how good he's going to be, but he, all reports, he'd at least be serviceable, and he'd be an internal option that would give the Reds some more flexibility to, uh, to deal Phillips.
0: That's why I've come up with the harebrained idea. That the Reds are going to trade Homer Bailey plus some to get Jerks and Profar plus some. Oh gosh, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm getting lightheaded here.
1: Oh, what I would give to have Profar! What I would give to have Profar! That guy can
0: play. Uh, and 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 he's what 20? I mean, it's it's highly unlikely, but but I think Homer Bailey makes sense. And and I I hate to, I'm not like advocating trading Homer in this in the sense that I feel like he needs to be gone. By no means do I feel that way. I'll be perfectly happy if Homer Bailey is on the Reds roster on Opening Day in 2014. That being said, he's the most if likely. He, isn't he? If he, yeah, and if he is not interested in signing a long-term deal, and, and and I don't mean like a five-year deal. I mean like maybe a three-year deal or something where the Reds can get a couple years of free agency out of him. And I and I get no impression that he is interested in signing a, a deal. And I may be wrong, and the Reds may end up announcing tomorrow that they've signed him to a multi-year deal. But if he's not interested in that, then you have to shop him because he's got value, and you're you're going to lose him to free agency, um, and. While it'll be nice to get a, a draft pick for him, I mean, you, you're you happy to get draft picks for guys like um, Bronson Arroyo, for guys like Homer Bailey, who who have legitimate trade value. You really need to look at your options and try to make a, a good trade for for somebody like that. So you got to shop them around and and. You've got to, you know, go and ask for guys like Profar. Now, Profar is probably maybe a little too high of prospect, which is why I say Homer plus guys, you know, and 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 Profar plus guys in return. It won't be just a one for one deal if something like that were to happen. It'll be a much more complicated deal than that. But, you know, the, you, you got. I think about like, um, you know, Zach Grinky netted uh, Gene Segura for the Brewers and um uh who was the other one uh there was somebody else that got it they got a decent prospect um that maybe wasn't a huge name but was somebody that was going going to be available to play soon you you got to look at those kinds of things because um you know it especially if you know and and that's the thing about the Brandon Phillips trade is the the Brandon Phillips trade is probably not going to look great on the surface by itself it's going to require a few other moves It's going to be all part of a a, a plan that um, for things to work. They're, you know, they're talking about really reshaping the clubhouse. That's not going to be just one move. It's going to be two or three moves at least. And in order to do that, um, you know, you're going to end up losing a couple guys that are key players now. But you're hopefully going to, you know, hopefully they'll be able to work the deals in a fashion that will bring back guys that will be long-term, you know, useful players for the organization.
1: Right, keep that window open for a little bit longer than just the 2014 season. Homer is, you know, I've been very clear on this podcast and elsewhere, big fan of Homer Bailey, always have been, but you've got to recognize a couple of uh, key elements here. Number one, his value has probably never been higher. Uh, At least, you know, it might have been higher right as he was drafted, but, of course, he wasn't eligible to be traded at that point. Uh, And so certainly for the last several years, Homer Bailey's value is as high as it's been, uh, maybe as high as it's going to get. I don't know. Uh, number two, he's right on the cusp of uh, being a free agent. And I'm I, like you. I don't see the signs. And we don't we don't hear the internal conversations. But, uh, you know, he's not made the rumblings that you've heard from some other people. But, boy, I'd love to be in Cincinnati for the rest of my uh, career. Not that he's been, uh, you know, uh, disparaged Cincinnati in any way or uh, other than Showing a little bit of irritation with Marty Brenneman. but if the Reds do determine that he's not going to want, be willing to sign any kind of a deal, that he's going to want to hit that free agent market, at that point you absolutely have to at least explore the possibility that you can make some kind of a deal that's going to improve the Reds in return. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee they're going to get that uh, draft pick, and it's going to be uh, Waka like the Cardinals got. Um, you know, more 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 likely it's going to be someone that uh, it's a good pick. It's a you know first round plus pick, I guess. Um, so you, you got to explore it, Jerks Jerick, mm-hmm. and Profar. I don't know. You know that's that, <laughs> that, that seems a little bit uh, uh, much, even for Homer Bailey. Plus, uh, but I, you've got to explore it. And so you're right. I could see there being a series of moves involving Brandon Phillips and uh, and Homer Bailey that uh, that may you know down the line lead to the Reds being able to sign someone else, uh, whether it's Chu, Shin, Shinsu Chu or someone else um, as well. So. Um, there, there are lots of moves they're going to make, and, and Walt Jockety really said exactly that today. As you mentioned earlier, this is just, uh, hiring Brian Price today is just the first and may end up being the, uh, I guess, least of all the uh, moves the Reds make this year in terms of uh, what it does for the, the organization. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. It really is going to be uh, as fascinating as any as we, that I've seen, I don't know, maybe in my lifetime
0: yeah, and I I think the key thing um for me is that they are not they are not giving any indication that they're that they're giving up on 2014. Right. And um and I think that's the important point is that you know, people are afraid of what they're going to do and I understand that. I mean, you know, especially if you live through the the 2000s with this team, um you know, you don't want to see them start trading away guys that you've grown to like and such. But on the other hand, uh, this team, you know, the window is very shaky right now. Um, you know, it, it, even with making these deals, there's no guarantee that they're, you know, they're going to be a compa- you know a, a an elite team. Um, uh, you know, the the Pirates look like you know I, I expect some regression from the Pirates in 2014, but they've got enough young players that I also expect them to not, you know, I you know they're kind of 2010 reds right now yeah,
1: yeah they'll still be good
0: and and you got to admit it the cardinals are stacked oh. i mean they they are and they're gonna they're gonna be good for a long time and we <laughs> just you just have to accept that so um you have to if if you're walt jockey you really just have to always be kind of looking at okay not just this season um, you know, do we want to play, play just for you know, 2014 and try to only, you know, go all in, or do we want to look at what opportunities are out there for us to also kind of be ready for 2015, 2016, 2017, beyond then? But I don't think they're going to lose focus on 2014. I think that, that what they're going to try to do, though, is kind of give themselves some more long-term hope. Yeah, and, and that's I'm, hard to do because they don't have much of a they don't have much of a, a minor league system right now.
1: They don't. They don't. They have got a lot of young pitchers uh, which may make it uh, a little easier to do, but I think there is they can thread the needle. I think there's an opportunity to not punt uh, on 2014. Still c- consider the window being open for 2014, but also have a little bit more of a long-term focus, which they at some point they're going to have to do because as you said, the cupboard is a little bit bare in the minor leagues. At some point they're going to have to, you know, they've signed some guys long-term. Some, some young guys, but still, at some point, they're going to have to refill uh, the coffers, so to speak.
0: Uh, some, well, like right now, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to no, interrupt go you. Ahead, go ahead. Right, right now, they only – they don't have any – well, outside of Tony Singrani, they don't have any major league pitchers signed past 2015. Ah, is, is that good? right?
1: Yeah, I think that is right, actually, now to think about yeah. it. Cause,
0: yeah, because Leak, Leak was first-year arbitration eligible this year, right? So, yeah. this past season. So, yeah, Quite, I mean, he's Quato got – will
1: be up at that point. Latos will be up. Hmm. Uh, Lato's, uh,
0: le- he's got two more seasons uh, two before more free agency as well.
1: Under control, right.
0: Um, and so, yeah, I mean. It's so that's something to be you know to really think about because you know like the beyond the box score did a, a trade proposal of the Reds acquiring David Price who again only has two years left on his contract uh, before he's a free agent and while I'd love to have David Price something like that does not make sense for the Reds no. because especially because they were talking about the reds trading Tony. i mean it was just a bad deal all around for the reds trading tony singarani trading phillips and uh ryan ludwig in the deal as well to the yankees and in that also giving 15 million dollars so basically not having not having any benefit to the trade um for 2014 so anyway the my point my point of bringing that up is that um the, you know they have you're you got Robert Stevenson um you know there may be a couple other guys down in the minors that I that I'm not as familiar with but you, i mean you have you have some guys pitching wise that may come up um but are you know they don't have anybody that's on the cusp right now Billy Hamilton's the closest they've got and you know let's be honest i mean Billy Hamilton's an exciting player but he's not a he's not a <laughs> and these words are probably going to come back to haunt <laughs> He's not a team changer kind of a guy. No, he's he's, a, he's he's a guy that's going to come up and play a role as much as anything, and that that role is going to be exciting and it's going to be very fast. But he's not <laughs> um, he's not a Joey Votto or a Jay Bruce, the kind of guy that you're going to anchor your team with.
1: No, no, he'll, he he can help if there, if he's used correctly. But you're right. Uh, you brought up something there that really I had not considered as much, which is that. We've got a lot of young pitching, but yeah, uh, there are going to be some real decisions the Reds are going to have to make over the next couple of years as to what they're going to do with some of these young guys. And uh, uh, pitch, I'm worried about pitching always, uh, whether or not to commit long-term to any pitcher, frankly, given the uh, uh, injuries and uh, what we've seen out of pitchers. So it's not just this offseason. Man, the next couple of years are going to be really interesting. Let me just quickly, before we leave Brandon Phillips completely, what happens if Brandon Phillips... Is still a red come uh, spring training or uh, or opening day? What happens if he's still
0: a red on Reds fast? Oh
1: gosh! Go ahead, go ahead. You know, no, yeah, you're right. Brandon is uh, much of his uh, the reason why he's become popular other than the RBIs has been his. He's gone all out to be, be pretend to be fan friendly. It looks like to me at this point, it's it's a lot of a lot of it was pretending just in order to get that big contract. Um, but he's done some things here lately that have not have been as uh, I don't know uh, as fan he, friendly. He has gone
0: after he has gone after people on Twitter. That's for sure.
1: He's gone after people on Twitter. He, uh, you know, uh, we we both like uh, Trent Rosecrans. Uh, he, you know that whole thing. He's shown his. He's shown his rear end a little bit, to put it uh, not to put too fine a point on it.
0: What happens? Is he
1: going to be a problem in the clubhouse? That that's that has a potential in my mind to really explode if they don't move him at this point, given what all's gone on. Uh, do you, you see it the same way, or, or maybe not?
0: No, I I agree, and and I think um, he's kind of because of the personality that he has, and because of you know really kind of who he is. Um, the fact that it has gotten out, that they're going to shop him, uh, and, and I think it was actually an intentional, intentionally getting out, yeah. um, uh, because I, I think they probably felt like from a PR perspective that letting it get out of the bag was only going to be good for them because Brandon was going to show fans kind of the frustration that they've had with him. Um But anyway, I I think the fact that it's out there and that it's in the public eye or, you know, in the public discussion um, is kind of guaranteed. And it it was a bad strategic move, perhaps, but it's kind of guaranteed that they have to trade him. Um, I don't I I mean, I don't think Brandon's a jerk, Um, you know. like most uh, big athletes, he's he's got an ego. Uh, you know, Joey Votto has an ego. Jay Bruce has an ego. They all just kind of get expressed in different ways. Um, Brandon's much more of an you know an extrovert, so we see his ego on show a little bit more. Um, I I don't think that he was faking it with the fans. I think he really enjoys that with the fans. I think that he's um perhaps there's some anger with the way things are going within the franchise comp- you know relative to him that maybe that's kind of why he's had some of those outbursts that he's had on twitter um i don't want to get too armchair psychology on him anyway my my point being he's got that um that attitude, and I think he's probably also had his feelings hurt through this. I mean, why? Why wouldn't you? You you feel like you've, regardless of the stupid things that he said, um, if you kind of look at it from his perspective, he obviously wanted to be in Cincinnati. He, you know, he campaigned basically to get a contract extension, which he would have gotten. He would have been able to get similar money on the free agent market. I mean, I think that was pretty clear, yeah. and. And so, you know, he really campaigned to be in Cincinnati, and now he probably sees that it's, um, you know, at least threatened to be taken away from him, and um, that's kind of hurt some. And that kind of that kind of hurt is not the kind of hurt that heals easily, and it's not especially if he's still in Cincinnati, um, still working for the same guys. Next spring, he's going to he's going to feel that hurt a lot, and and. The problem with somebody like Phillips is that he expresses that kind of stuff. So it's going you know, I think it could end up becoming an issue, especially in the clubhouse.
1: Yeah, I, I probably that's probably going a little far for me to say that he was faking faking it a little bit with fans. He's a guy that really Really enjoys the adoration that comes along with being, uh, you know, uh, basically a, a walking web gem, which he's been uh, over the last few years. And, and he enjoys that. And any kind of criticism hurts him a little more than it hurts anybody else. Or, or I don't know that it hurts him any more than it hurts anybody else, but he's willing to show that it hurts more than uh, other Joey Votto, for example. He's also willing to uh, bask in the adoration a little bit when he gets an opportunity. <sighs> I just uh I think probably he's going to have to be have to be dealt. I worry about how it's going to affect the clubhouse if he's not dealt. But I, I don't want I don't want to criticize Brandon Phillips as much as it sounds like I'm criticizing him. There was a time when Brandon Phillips anything the and, and probably st- actually I think this is still the case anything the Reds community fund for example asks him to do he shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anytime he can. uh And a lot of that's because he likes the fact that people love him. And, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is fine. But he's been willing to go out and do what he could for the community fund and for the Reds. And he's, in a lot of instances, really helped put a good face on the Reds franchise. And, And, and I don't want to underestimate that. Given the fact things have turned sour a little bit, I think he probably has to be traded. But, uh, he's such a, I don't know, he's such a unique individual. And, um, I hate to see him lashing out at it fans the way he does because, uh, frankly, I think the fans have given him a little more credit for being uh, maybe a little better than what he actually is thanks to the RBIs. And, I don't know. It's a very complicated situation with Brandon Phillips. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what else we can We've sort of beat Brandon Phillips to death. Uh, let me Before we sort of wrap things up here, let me ask you what you think. We've talked about it, I, think, I believe, before, but Bronson Arroyo. The Reds have a big decision to make regarding Bronson Arroyo. And I, I wrote something a couple weeks ago or last week, I don't remember when it was, I think it was last week, that uh, based on a quote by Arroyo where he doesn't think that the Reds are going to offer, make this qualifying offer to him, which the last I heard, I don't think it's changed. It's going to be in the neighborhood of $14 million for them to make that qualifying offer. Um, and, of course, the Reds... For those of you that don't don't really know, if the Reds make that offer, Arroyo turns him down. The Reds get that draft pick, draft pick as compensation if when he signs elsewhere. Um, I love Bronson Arroyo. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just what a Red. What a career that guy's had as a Red. Much better than I thought it was going to be. But but are they going to be able to make that qualifying offer?
0: Well, I mean, I guess it partly depends on what happens with Homer Bailey, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I mean, if you're gonna, if you think you might trade Homer Bailey, then yeah, you make the qualifying offer, Um, and and actually, uh, just today, Tim Lincecum, it was announced he signed a two-year, thirty-five million dollar deal. Now, Bronson Arroyo does not have the legacy of Tim Lincecum, but if you go back and look at their numbers from the past year, past two years, I'm I'm guessing that Arroyo's numbers look a lot better than Tim Lincecum's. So, um, if Lincecum can get that kind of money. Uh, granted, he wasn't on free agency, and you know he signed back with the team that he was with. Maybe Bronson feels comfortable turning down a fourteen million dollar offer. And if that's the case, then yeah, yeah. I mean, you make him the qualifying offer. I don't, I don't think that a one-year fourteen million dollar deal is um, is as scary as as some people seem to think it would be uh the only real issue with bringing arroyo back is if you don't have any place for him to pitch and um that that might be the only reason I wouldn't do it but I i don't i don't believe that he'll actually that he'll actually accept the qualifying offer i think he'll i think he'll be able to, i think he wants the years more than the the money anyway I think he wants, you know, a two or three year deal. Am um, I obviously? I think he wants like ten million a year or twelve or whatever. But uh, I don't think he's going to be like, well, I can't pass up fourteen million dollars for one season because um, he knows that if he can get twenty million dollars for two seasons, that that's more guaranteed money. And you know, maybe this year is the year that his arm blows out. You know?
1: Yeah. No. The first thing I thought when I saw that uh, Lincecum deal was that whoa. Uh, Bronson Royals' value may have just uh, increased on the free market. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think probably at this point, I don't think it's a no-brainer, but it's almost uh, well, a no-brainer, frankly, making the qualifying offer. If he accepts it, you got an issue if, if, if you don't trade Homer Bailey and there's no real place in the rotation for him because you got to think Singrani is ready to, to take, a, take over a spot in the rotation. Um, but... I'm like you. I can't see any way Arroyo accepts a Mm -hmm. a one-year deal, given the fact that the market, uh, as established by Linscombe here, is probably he's probably got a chance of getting a two or three-year deal for, you know, ten, twelve, who knows how many, you know, fourteen million even maybe, um, depending on how desperate some team is for pitching. Because Arroyo had that one bad year in 2011, but the last two years have been really solid, and he doesn't show much sign of slowing down. And his skill set as a pitcher. I've compared him to Jamie, uh, Jamie Moyer in the past. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why this guy can't pitch until he's about like, I don't know, 75 or 80 years old. <laughs> uh, and so there's probably some team that's going to be willing to, willing to pony up some cash for Bronson. I think he'll get one more two or three year deal, and it's not going to be from the Reds. So that being the case, make him, make him the offer. Even if, even if he accepts it, there's a decent chance he'll even be, uh, by a Winslow replacement, he'll be even, uh, He'll earn that fourteen million, depending on whether, yeah. you got, whether you got room to room to pitch him enough. Uh, that's that's my opinion on it.
0: Right, right. So, I agree.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. That's another. And we've talked this whole podcast. We've sort of talked about all the big decisions that Walt Jockety and the Reds have to make over the next couple of months, uh, three or four months until we get this closer to spring training. That's that's another big one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the, I think they'll make that offer. I think Bronson will turn it down. That's my
0: prediction. <laughs> And I think we both agree that there's no doubt they'll make the offer to Chew as well.
1: Oh, yeah, they have to. No question. Yeah. Uh, uh, are you like me? Would you give <laughs> – it's not my money, I guess, is the first thing I need to say to clarify here. But, man, I'd just about give Chew whatever he asked for if I could because I have fallen in love with Shinsu Chu <laughs> this year. It's it's irrational. I've fallen in love with him beyond any capacity for rational thought. I want him to be in a red uniform next year, and I'm just not afraid. I'm afraid that it's probably not going to be able to happen.
0: My my concern would be the years. The years more than the money. I I don't think I would give him five years. I no. I would do four. I would do four, but I'd be a little concerned about five.
1: But I'm a fan. I don't want him in the Reds lineup. I'd give him whatever he asked for. <laughs> I just want Chu in a Cincinnati uniform. That's exactly in a nutshell why i have no business being in the reds front
0: office so how about a a one two three batting order of chew ugla and vado oh, talk about your base runners <laughs> talk Absolutely. about your walks nobody's ever <laughs> gonna swing the bat
1: yeah and if you can hit jay bruce fourth he'll have 200 rbis with those guys sitting in front of him um yeah i mean you talk about scoring a lot of runs uh <laughs> Gosh, are we going back to Dan Ugler really? Do, do. <laughs> I just
0: <tried. laughs>
1: He had a 179 batting average, and Brandon Phillips had over 100 RBIs. Now you tell me which one's better. Oh, gosh, my head hurts now. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, you know, Joel, we've kind of beaten everything to death. Anything else you really uh, feel compelled to talk about? Anything else we need to really address before we sign off here?
0: Is this the part where I bring up Aroldis Chapman back to the starting rotation again?
1: Yes, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding.
1: I know, I know, but uh, oh, that's made my head hurt for a long time. And if Brian Price does choose to put Aroldis back in the rotation, I will be a... Fully paid member of the Brian Price fan club forever and always. I don't care if he sacrificed bunts every first inning. <laughs> I, I will be loyal to that man. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm irrational. Okay. Right. Uh, Joel, are you excited about 2014?
0: I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, you know, why don't we let the Red Sox and Cardinals play their stupid little thing that nobody cares about? And then once they get done with that, then I'll start getting excited about two thousand.
1: Oh man! If I had to pick two teams that I would have paid actual real United States tender to avoid to see them not make the World Series, the two teams I would have picked would have been the Red Sox and the Cardinals. Why, <laughs> why do we have to suffer through that? I don't know. You know what? I, what I said on Twitter was, you know, a guy watches baseball every day for six, six and a half months, and then the Cardinals make the World Series, and you. You just gotta wonder why did I even bother wasting my time watching this stupid sport, um, and it's because we love these old Reds, I guess. Uh, and reasons for optimism for 2014. A lot of moves still to go, but for optimism. All right.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: All right, Joel. I appreciate you joining us, uh, joining me again today. Really enjoyed this. We got a. We could spend another hour talking about all this, but we probably better sign off now. Um, Thanks to all of you for listening, appreciate you downloading. Tell a friend about the about the podcast. Let's see if we can grow the, grow this podcast a little bit more. Subscribe via iTunes or RSS. Uh, the feeds are available there at redlegnation.com. Um Joe Let's do it again soon. What do you think?
0: Absolutely. Hopefully we'll be doing it when they're making a big move here in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. We'll we'll look forward to that because I'm really excited about the opportunity that uh, Walt Jockety has to remake and reshape this team and really be competitive in 2014. Uh, gang, really appreciate you all listening. For Joe Luckup, this is Chad Dawson saying so long.